Good morning. And Happy New Year. Mike, Mike, keep that up there just in case. Just in case this might go up. Um, so I saw the hands of people who stayed up to midnight. Did any of it and stay up all night? Nobody. I got them. Um, no, I love New Year's Eve, man. But isn't it like the older you get, the more like you don't love New Year's Eve? And you're like waiting for that, that moment to come where it's just like finally bedtime. Um, and you pass out, and then you realize that you have church again today, and you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make it? <laughs> uh, I went back there, and I was like, today's going to be one of those days, girls. I'm going to need the strong stuff. <laughs> uh, I was like, I don't know what strong stuff is. I don't drink coffee. I just, um, but that's how I feel. Uh, I want to applaud you for showing up on New Year's Day, because I know that it can be a late night, um, and it can be that much harder to a huge example on a Sunday morning. And so, Jesus is in store for you. Um, this could be an easy day. Normally, New Year's Day, jobs cancel. They call off because they realize that people need to relax. Look around and see that there's a, a large amount of people here. Um, that there is something so beneficial about being a part of this church. Up sleep on a certain day that might they might and being on, on to, to be here in, in fellowship with one another. So I'm glad that you guys are here today. And I think you picked a perfect week if you're visiting with series that was through our Christmas series. And we thought about... You know, it's the new year. Let's just, you know, let's just cut this sermon and we'll start a new series. So I, you know, I told our team, I said, you know, let's just keep it because I, I think this is probably one of the better principles to talk about on New Year's Day. Out of all Sundays, today's purpose is the year. This is the best year. The beginning of the year is probably the best time out of any time of the year that has a purpose. Everything. And I was trying to think of like things that didn't have purpose today, and I was like, I got or has been naturally grown on this earth for a purpose. Grass, it, it, it's meant to feed, you know, it's meant to provide um, some sort of irrigation. There's a community things. This beam is, is meant to support this building support, um, and protection for my feet. Literally everything, uh, any type of food that you guys can think of has been made. Um, the the trough, like I can sit here and I can pinpoint the pen in your hand is meant to write and to communicate language. Like literally about dust. Everything on earth, like is there a purpose to dust? And it says the household nuisance actually purifies the air by neutralizing ozone that can harm our lungs. I'm like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm. I can't find anything. You know, like and I was like, I didn't even know it did that. And it's like, son, I like, I started like, I went into a wormhole, guys. And I started, I was like, whoa, I did not know this much about dust. You know, but literally, thing has a purpose. Everything created has a purpose. If God has given everything a purpose, do you know yours? And the reality, I believe, when people make resolutions, at the core of those resolutions, there is some sort of byproduct that shows. Your people say, you know, I need to get into the gym more. It's the new year. That gym memberships are half off. Why do they do that? I'll in the gym, right? But at the core, what we're really saying is, is last year, I don't think I was living up to the full need to get back into the gym, the full purpose of my health or what my... If we start saying, I need to read more books, or I need to get involved more in literature, or I need to, I need to get myself more educated, I could have been having more purpose. You know, last year expanding my knowledge. If we talk about maybe getting a better job and we think that it's so, what we're saying is I don't think the job that I currently could do more. And so literally when we make resolutions, what we're saying is, is we look back at our past year, the purpose of what we feel like we should be living for in our lives. And even as a disciple, maybe you know what we're going to talk about today and you already knew that. You know your purpose. You know what probably also go back to this last year and realize that maybe you didn't live up to that purpose. Maybe I know what we're going to talk about today, and I know my purpose. beginning of it. I know what God has given me. It's not a new surprise. It doesn't change my purpose. And so maybe you do know. But maybe you look back at this past year and say, man, I, I know my purpose. And so no, I just necessarily haven't fulfilled it. Your purpose, if you don't know what you're created for, or if you do, this sermon, I, I truly believe, will give us an opportunity to look at our lives and look at purpose in one of two verses. Why don't we start setting purpose in what's what I want to talk about today? when we talk about purpose. So if we're going to first start talking about purpose, we need to look at Jesus and the example he had. Jesus was, if we're called to, to model and to save the lost. That was Jesus' purpose. Jesus was commissioned by God himself to save the lost. Name him. It says in Matthew 1, from their sins. 
You see, Jesus had a purpose just like we do. And it's our purpose in his purpose. To identify what Jesus... In 1 John 3, 17, it says, God didn't send his son into the destruction. You see, ultimately, Jesus is to give us an opportunity to live a new life, save the lost. And so what we're going to do here in a minute is we're actually going to take communion to start today. You see, we set these resolutions in our lives, and we set the lifestyle, and we looked at Jesus' lifestyle. If you've already set resolutions, or you've already reflected on this last year, and if I think we took an honor, Jesus chose to make changes in his life, these resolutions, to the point that he chose to die to have that same purpose. But yet when we must, they're more focused on our success in our jobs. And so today, kind of what I wanted to do is as we take communion, I want you guys to think about the purpose and why he came to earth and why he did what he did. And I truly believe that if we can find a of what Jesus was and give us a reassurance and an encouragement to continue to walk that walk, just like he did, evaluate what we think is important in life. It may challenge us to look at an example of what Jesus did on the cross and say, you know what? Maybe what God did with his son on purpose. Maybe, maybe evaluate the things that I should prioritize this next year. So I'm going to say a prayer, and we're actually going to take communion now, and then we're going we're to jump in. For the example of uh, that was his ultimate purpose, was to come here to save us, to give us an opportunity to live a life for you, to live a life of hope. And God, I pray that as we look through our lives, as we look through just this next year, that we can always believe that if we can do that, this year will be one of the most purposeful years we've had. Not just a year, but God, the most purposeful year we've ever had. At the center of our hearts as uh, we share the Lord's Supper. Okay, so here's the big... Just like Jesus was commissioned by the Father to save the lost, you and I are commissioned by the Son to save the lost on earth. Just as God created Jesus as a human for a purpose, that is the same exact purpose he created your gift to other humans on earth to serve for, is to literally support the pen, his gift of purpose to save the lost. Everything else in life that you choose to do is meant as to why you can lead in that purpose as a If everything is circulated around that purpose, then everything that we do with our lives has got to be centered, lost people, what God created us to do. Everything in life that we do has got to be centered around how we save lost people. If everything that we have here has got to be used to take other people, all of our money, your marriage, literally all of the things are meant to aid first place. And that's our purpose. John 17, 18, just as you, it's so important for us to know what our purpose is. And if, if you get anything out of the sermon today, today, you see, because so many people live life without purpose. So many people live life trying to find purpose. They switch, they switch living situations. They switch habits. Because the problem with people is that they continue to find different things that do not bring meaning because there is only one meaning for why you're life, trying to find that purpose. You know, I grew up without a dad, and my whole life was confusing as, you know, have a great lifestyle. You know, my mom was a bartender. I grew up in bars with her because my dad wasn't around, and so I was out of those bars. And I, and I saw their lives that were miserable because that's where people go when they're miserable is to hang out at bars for a different purpose. But nobody likes what they do. You know, like that's just what I heard. And then as I got older and I, I got to high school and I started seeing kids playing sports and I was meant to ESPN and Sports Center, and I'd see like, and I was like, well, maybe that's what I was meant to do. And so like I got into sports and I, you know, and I was like, whoa, maybe I'm meant to be with one of them. This is my purpose, like is to be with somebody else. You know, find that meaning, to find that purpose. And it wasn't until I and said, you only have one purpose. And you, here it is. And that's all we found is meaningless things on this earth. Or we can, in 1 John 3, 17, it says, God didn't send his son into the world to certain destruction. Oh, I already read that verse. I am here speaking with all the authority of and who has commanded me to give you this commission the great commission that was the great mission that was the last thing gospels he says your job my job here is done 
your job now, your mission now, your purpose is to go out and make disciples in all the nations. We're going to change. That's our gift. And be like, no, I got other purposes, man. I got a job. I got, I got kids. I got family. And until you realize that this is never going to change, without a dad, you're never going to find fulfillment, true fulfillment in any of those factors of life. Life as a dad. I find, I find incredible purpose in being a father and parenting and giving my kids something that I never received as a kid. But I found out very quickly that if I didn't make that to the ultimate purpose of my life, I would not really be giving my kids anything beneficial. I would just be repeating a cycle, but I would just be present where my dad wasn't. I found purpose in things. So if that is our gift, if that's what God has given us, this mission, then we have some requirements that go along with that. If we really want to do this to the best of our abilities, if we want to find this purpose, fulfill this purpose the best way we can, the gift of mission, if we're going to use me to do all I can do, purpose looks like, I've got to learn to talk like Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean like, you know, if Jesus speak, spoke Hebrew, we've got to like speak different languages or we have to speak in different accents. Like it's not like literally talking like Jesus talked, but it's talking about our dialogue. It's talking about how we communicate with people. It's talking about the purpose. God was in Christ reconciled. So no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Why do you talk to people? Like, why do you, why do you guys, like, why do you choose silent people? Have you ever thought about that? For some of you guys, you'd be like, my life would be so much easier if I just went through life silent. Like, you haven't met my wife. <laughs> like, or like, you haven't been around my kids long enough. Like, I, I tell them life would be easier if we chose not to communicate. But the reality is, is that we are relational beings. Like, we are around people. So, like, there is a choice to have to talk to people. My question is, why? What's the purpose? You know? It's about the With our coworkers. Well, we talk about just what's going on, things that are going on. You know, if we're, if we're at school or college, maybe we're talking about what's going on in, in, in pop culture. We're talking about, you know, TikToks and like Snapchats and Netflix and all the new shows that are out. You know, the celebrities, have you heard what's going on with the Kardashians today? They're crazy. A week later, they broke up crazy. Like, that's what we talk about, right? And I know some of you college girls talk about this because you guys watch those shows, right? And I hear it at my house. I'm like, I don't care. But then I'm sure you guys feel the same way about me. Crazy. You hear about having that team? Look what happened. You know, so like we all have our things we talk about, Right? The question is, why do we talk about those things? Well, it has to do. Jesus himself said that everything that comes, it should be a message of reconciliation, something that has to do with Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing the good news. And people hear the good news when someone tells them about Christ. Pretty self-explanatory, right? People hear the good news when somebody... But not a lot of people hear the good, hear the updates on the Kardashians, you know? Now, I don't believe what this verse is saying and what this point is saying is that, every, you know, like, I don't think that that's the context of what he's talking about. But literally everything that we talk about should have an underlying purpose in why we are talking about it with who we are talking about it. We're talking about and I believe just because of something we go through life, talking about things just because of the purpose of why we are talking about it. You see, I think God has given us these things to talk about, whether it be sports or pop culture or jobs or families or, or different things we're interested in. I think he gives us those things to create a deeper purpose to share the good news. But I think a lot of times we live life just talking about news and we never, we never, we never find the connection with news and good news. You see what I'm saying? Why do you have relationships? Why do you talk to people? Is it just because you like those people? Is it because you are a product of convenience and like you just have to be around those people because we work with them, because we go to school with them? Or have you found the connection of purpose that you are around those people because God put you around those people and that you're meant to talk with those people because you're, meant to, you're called to, to give them the good news and pop culture. And so you find ways to have those, you can create an opportunity to talk about something much deeper. 
You see, it's hard to just share the good news if you're not even being relational with people in the first place. John 1.14 says, The Word took on flesh and became human. Why do you think he had to become human? Well, because people... I mean, the Word is the good news, right? So why to live alongside us? We have seen him enveloped in undeniable splendor, the one true Son of the Father, evidenced in the perfect balance of grace and truth. You see, Jesus came to show with them how to talk relationally with people to give them a purpose look like Jesus, relational aspects within their dialogue of grace and truth in our language and in, our, and, and in the way that we talk. And I think that's so important because <clears throat> I've said this before with people, but like, I, I believe that there, you guys ever heard like the friend zone, right? Where it's like, you like somebody just like, but like, you haven't really expressed it to them. But I'm like, you try, I like, I'm just him. And so you're just like, hey man, at one point I'm going to my shot. Like, that window has passed, and now you're just really good friends, and you're stuck in that friend zone where it's like it's never going to happen because you're, you're really good friends now. And have you ever had that like whole like, hey, I like you, and then the response is like, I just don't want to like mess up what we have, you know? Like, because like if it doesn't work out, like then like we're just really good friends, and I don't want to lose that, you know? Has anybody ever heard that before? Some of you guys are so embarrassed. You're like, every single time I talk to a girl, that's what happens. You know, like, you know, and like we get stuck in this friend zone and uh, it's not fun because you're like, all right, well, now we're just friends, you know, and like you shot me down. I believe that there is something called a spiritual friend zone. And I think what happens is Christians accept this mission and they believe that our purpose is to go and seek and save the lost. And we spend so much time talking about relevant things in the world, pop culture, books, you know, video games, sports, whatever it is. And we create this friendship, but we never entwine the good news into that conversation. And now it's just awkward, right? Because we've invested in this friendship for weeks, months, years, and for me to now talk about Jesus would just be weird, right? Because we're two bits of a deep friend. And I've, I've never talked about it yet. And I believe that a lot of times we get stuck in the spiritual friend zone because we realize we are called to be relational with people, but we never bring God into it until it's too late. And then it's just hard and weird because... And I think that fit our character from how our relationship was built to talks with people because I don't think Jesus ever got stuck in a spiritual friend zone with people because people knew where Jesus stood right off the bat because of how he communicated with them. But the way he was able to do that was through, you can't speak like Jesus just in truth with no grace because then you just come across as a jerk, right? If you come across and you, and you just want to be truthful with somebody the whole time, you're like, hey, my name's so-and-so, and oh, hi, I'm Jake. And you, and you find out pretty quickly that, like, there's, you know, if I'm a college, if I'm meeting, like, a college guy and I realize he has a girlfriend and I'm, we're playing basketball and he makes a joke about how he's sleeping around with his girlfriend, you know, I'm not going to go straight and be like, hey, man, I know we just met, but, like, that's really wrong. Like, what are you doing? Hey, by the way, you want to come to church on Sunday? You know, like, I'm being truthful, right? And I say, did I say anything that would contradict what the Bible said? Wrong. I didn't say anything wrong, did I? You know? So you can't just speak truth without grace. Because you just come across as a jerk, you come across self-righteous, you come across as a person who's not really instructing people and giving people an opportunity to see the relationship. Vice versa, you can't just be the grace person without truth. It's no big deal. Oh, you're fine. Oh, I get it. I get it. Everyone sins. Oh, you... Not a, oh, you don't have to worry about the way that made me feel, you know? And we, and we become pushovers, you know? And we become people that just enable people to continue those behaviors. And truth without grace just makes us come across as self-righteous jerks. So Jesus made it very clear that we have to have a perfect balance of the two. So like Jesus, I must speak words of grace. For 18 and 19 is me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You know, take note of some of the people 
that he's talking about here. He's talking about poor people, talking about captives, talking about blind, talking about oppressed right now. Those aren't people understanding what and who God is. They are, those aren't people that know the good news yet. And it would be very easy for those people to remain frustrated with those people. Our family members, or coworkers in your guys' lives that you know they don't know the good news, but you get so frustrated with how they live. Man, being at work today. Is there anybody that rings a bell? All he does is cuss right around me. All he does is he just he, he comes to work hungover, and then it makes me have to work even harder because drama. Or this person's always coming in, you know. Or it's just so inappropriate, and it, it makes my life harder. Well, the question is: is where where is your grace in the grace in the midst? Do you? You know, I've had to start talking with my daughter Peyton. She's in first grade now, and I'm starting to find out that a lot of the kids live like she lives, things. And, and she's starting to pick up on those things. And so there's got to be a point in my life where I had to start talking to my daughter and be like, listen, you've got to be okay and be self-righteous and be like, you know, that's wrong because God says so. You know, like she still doesn't know how to communicate yet. She's in first grade with how things are working. But I'm trying to get her to understand that there has got to be grace with people in the world who don't know the good news yet because they need that. If they're going to find the good news one day, it's going to be through us. And the only way so I want to get through us is if we're patient enough and graceful enough with those names on your notes today that you just can't stand, that just really frustrate you. And maybe make a resolution this year to be more graceful with those people. Just write a couple names down that you guys can think about. But like I said... We don't just need words of grace, but like Jesus, I must also speak words of truth. Truth has to be right there next to it. In John 17, 14, I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. You see, before truth sets people free, before the good news can give people freedom, it tends to piss them off first. You know, like... People don't normally just accept God's word and are like, yes, I've been waiting for likes hearing that. It's probably why one of my favorite verses in all scriptures, Galatians 1.10, because it talks about how and who we're going to please. Galatians 1.10, how are you going to please people or are you going to please be worried about pleasing people? Please both. And if you're the Jake paraphrase, right? But it's Galatians 1.10 and I love that verse. And I think Paul was trying to get us to understand that we probably need to be forewarned that the world is going to reject a lot of the good news. They're going to reject it with the truth. So just like my I have to also have that conversation to say, but that doesn't mean you can't say anything. You know, it's okay to be patient with people. It's okay to make sure that you aren't just like condemning people for what they're doing wrong. But that doesn't mean that you should be a pushover and allow anything or whatever to be said or happen around you. You need to stand up for yourself. You need to stand up for kids around you. You need to stand up for what you believe and what mom and dad do teach you at home. It always mean they're going to like what they hear. And just like you guys wrote down names of people that you probably need to be more patient with, I'm sure you can think of some names of people that you haven't spoken truth to. That you've been more graceful because maybe they're more intimidating or, more, or, or it's harder to have conversation with those people. And you just haven't had that conversation. You haven't shut Write that one down. Think of a person or two in your life that you're like, this year, my goal is to give this person two more truth. I've been to some good news. It's time for me to give them some truth in life. God, times I think this to, to handle both of these and balance both by the world results in us rejecting our, our full mission. I think when the world rejects us more and more, we choose to use that as an excuse to not fulfill God's mission. We let rejection from people say... I don't, I, 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 people, because they just say no. You care about God. I don't believe in God. I don't think that these things are good things. 
And we hear that time and time again. And at some point, we start, the discouragement starts to set in, right? And we're like, you know what? I'm going to stop saying truth to people. I'm just going to focus on the graceful side and, and the serving side of Christianity. And I'm not going to focus on the bold side. And what we're really saying is, you know what? I don't think I was meant for the purpose that God had given. Force us to reject our, our purpose. They have to go hand in hand. We have to continue. 2 Timothy 4, matter what. Rise to the occasion and preach when it's convenient and when it's with our purpose. You see, and it doesn't matter if people want to hear it or not. We have to communicate that to people. We have to make sure. Our second point, that our language is always around them. Talk like Jesus, but we have to walk like Jesus. Right? Can't just talk the talk, right? We've heard that before, right? You talk the talk, there he is. Walk, right? Craig does that a lot. On the basketball court, we like to call Craig a little chihuahua, you know? Because Craig does a lot of barking on the court, but a lot of times he don't walk that walk. <laughs> well, this is what he does a lot of times on the court. He goes, ah, 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 I'm hurting, ah. I can't walk the one as much more. <laughs> but... It's funny, right? Because sometimes we, we, we know those people where it's like, oh, man, I'll mess you up. I'll mess you up. And there's like Aaron all the time too, right? People are like, man, come on. I'm just playing. You up the side of the head. And Aaron's like, do it then. And they're like, you know what? I don't know what you're doing. You know? And so I think a lot of times Christians do the same thing, right? We're like, man, I'll see my tattoo. I'm talking the talk, man. And I'm like, all right. Whose lives are being changed because of that? Where's the fruit? Where's your lifestyle? Why are you in the clubs on the weekends? Why are you, why are you hitting up all these different bars? Why are, you, why are you hitting up all these different chicks? Why are you doing all these different things in your life? Rappers talk about loving good game in their songs. And then you go look at their TikToks or you go look at their Snapchats and what are they doing? Smoking weed, drinking, drinking all these things. Got all kinds of girls around them, right? But they got the tattoos. They talk the talk. They know the language. But then there's a different language that goes on alongside. You know, God, and there's too many Christians on who aren't, that know how to talk the talk, Christians that actually are trying to walk the walk. There are more atheists that have the knowledge of Scripture than people sitting in churches on a live. John 17, 16 and 17, it says, They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy. You know, the whole idea of being holy is from everything else, heart for a different to be holy in a spiritual way is that you are set apart to be like Jesus. Not to just talk like Jesus. Not So that means know about Jesus, but you're set apart to live like the world. We're not meant to engage in the same things that the world engages. We're not meant to participate in every little thing that involves. And we need more Christians to understand that. Because the ones that aren't are given the, are given the Christian. They come into a church and they see something different. They see a lot of people talking a good game. They show up and they see something completely different by the lifestyle. It's very important for us to understand that our purpose involves living in an active way, actions, instead of just an understanding. Look at Titus 2, 11 here, 13. It says, we have cause to celebrate because of the grace arrives with its own instruction. Instruction is not just thoughts anymore, right? And run away from anything that leads us away from God. In this age, with a, and in the lusts and passions, doing the right thing and keeping yourselves holy. Right? The whole idea of grace is not to get us to sin less. You know, I'll be gracious with you. It's, it's not to get us to sin less. Grace gives us a new opportunity to change, not an enablement to continue. I think so many times we think grace is meant to be a pass, but grace is meant more to be an instruction. It can give us an opportunity to inspire what has happened through grace. It can enable us to walk in more of a relationship with God. But how do we, how do we communicate? You know, and then, and then we thank God stuff. God gave me the grace to not mess up, you know, and then we get back into that stuff. Thank the Lord for God over and over again just so we can have the grace. No, God gave us that grace so we can say, God delivered me from this. And now I'm different purpose. And now I have a new instruction. 
That's why God has given us grace. Not to live anymore the way that, so we can have something completely different walk now. 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says he lives in Christ, that is whoever says up himself. And Savior, capital H there, walked and conducted himself. Baptized in God's name. And you've decided to live a life for God. And that's what we need. You know, when my kids go into like a certain area, you know, if we're like, you know, like if you go like different, right, then the world, like different stores or different restaurants, things like that. If you walk into like a McDonald's and your kids are like, I want a happy meal, I want a happy meal, right? And they're like, like, all right, you can have a happy meal, that's going to be great. But like if they walk, conduct yourself, this is a, this is a fancy place, right? <laughs> you hear this, this, is, this is a respectable establishment, right? And like we see the difference in the place that you're around, you're like, you need to conduct yourself underneath that different way because this is a more respectable establishment. Act and, and, be, and, and dress and to live a completely different way because heaven is a more respectable establishment. And that is your home now. And you are here to live in a respectable way. The thing we choose to walk in here in one day. Things will not be in heaven. But we engage in them like we think they will be in heaven. We are called to live in a way like we are called to live in heaven one day. You know this? So maybe there's a challenge there for you. Or some things I have been walking in that I probably need to stop because it's not in the way that God would want me to live. It's not in the way that fulfills the purpose he gave me in the first place. Keep on doing this and you will save not only yourself, but the people who hear you. Is going to in some way impact the people around us. This is the role model verse. I see, I see athletes for the people around you. I, was, I listen to interviews from time to time or... You know, and I've heard certain athletes live a certain way and then they get questions. things. Why do you get and say, you know, there's crazy parties and, and drive your car and get, in, and, and get into these wrecks? And I've heard some people, some of these athletes and, and high profile look up to me. I just do what I want to be a role model. Well, I want you guys to understand that God has given you a purpose. And just like those athletes, whether you like it or not, you are a model to someone understand that or not. There's somebody in you, or look at the hypocrisy in it. Just like athletes, whether you like it or not, every single person has a model. And that's why God made it so important that he had Timothy tell us that you need to make sure that you be careful about the way that you live and what you believe. Because not only will it save you, but it will save the people around you. But conversely, if you're going to live in in a hypocritical way, that potentially may damage somebody. It's so important for us to realize that it's not just the purpose is meant to fulfill us, but the people around us are going to be impacted by that as well. And if, if I am going to take a minute to step out and say something, I want to kind of hit the parents here in the room. Because you guys have an obligation more, more challenged by this because I, with your, with your children, by the way you guys, and a Sunday morning, and the way I communicate when I get home. And I hate that. And now, because I'm not checking my heart when I get home, kids that are like the bad kids, and the way I talk the talk sometimes on Sunday mornings is not necessarily the way I walk the walk when I get home and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I'm losing my patience with my kids or I'm choosing to be selfish with my lifestyle or my time or my money or my energy. And my kids pick up on that. And so I have to challenge myself because I know one day my kids aren't going to be in that little kid class anymore. They're listening to me say these same things and then they're going to watch me go. And it messes me up to think that my kids may one day not want this life because of things that I do that I shouldn't be doing. And I think so many times we look at our kids and we, and we think about the patience that we lose with our kids and then we wonder why one day they're not here no more. We wonder why our kids are in different places in the world and different relationships they shouldn't be in and different focuses and they don't really know God's purpose the way that we want them to. You see, you got to watch the way you walk and the way you live because your kids are picking up on that stuff. And for some of us, it's not that we can blame our kids. We need to blame ourselves by the way we run our houses and what's most important in our houses. Is God in our house? 
Is his word in our language at home? Or is it all about the worldly stuff that we choose to focus on? Are our kids engulfed in, in TV? Are they engulfed in, in, in social media? Are they engulfed in sports? Are they engulfed in all the money that you choose to give them to spoil them? Or are we feeding our kids the same that we should be feeding ourselves? Not fulfilling huge. And if we're not careful, and so for you parents, I really want to challenge you guys, just like I choose to challenge myself every day because I know it's not just a one-day end-all, be-all. It's a daily struggle to be different for our kids. And for you young kids, you know, for you students that aren't parents yet, you, some of you guys see that example. Some of you guys in this room have parents in this room that you look at their lifestyles. And I want to encourage you kids, first and foremost, like we talked about, to be truthful with your parents when you see things differently and to be graceful with them. But also to find that model of what it could be like for you one day. So we've got to walk that walk. And then lastly, we have to care like Jesus cared. If we're ever going to make this a long-term, lifetime, long-lasting commitment to fulfill our purpose, care has got to be at the center point. See, John 3.16, we all know the verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever puts his trust in God's son will not be lost, but will have life that lasts forever. You see, God's care for us, God's love for us, is the ultimate source of our purpose. It's the ultimate fuel of our purpose. And the minute that we stop forgetting that God loves us, our fire for purpose starts to fade away. When we stop forgetting how much God loves us, we start looking for other things that we can be loved by in the world. We look for the money, right? We start taking higher paying jobs that take more of our time. We start looking for our families more. We start spending more time at home because they give us, they give us more affirmation. But we, we start to forget what God has given us. And so our purpose gets skewed because we try to find other things that we think are loving towards us. So everything is centered around God's love. That's where the fuel comes from. But what's going to continue that is once we've received God's love and we know that we have God's love and, and, we, and we continue to live in God's love, the purpose comes when we find how to send that through us to the next person. When we can find how to give God's love to somebody else, to care for somebody the way that God has cared for us. That's the connection of everything today is to learn how to be like that with somebody else. In John 15, 10 through 13, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep in his care. The hired hand is not like the shepherd caring for his own sheep. When a wolf attacks, snatching and scattering the sheep, he runs for his life, leaving them defenseless. The hired hand runs because he works only for wages and does not care for the sheep. You see, just like God is a shepherd for us, we are called to be shepherds for other people. We are meant to care for other people. And until we can find that connection to truly care for other people, we will not truly fulfill our full purpose in our life for God. It's so important to find this understanding of care. And for so many people, that's the biggest struggle, isn't it? I don't care for other people. You know, like, it sounds so harsh to say out loud, but like, we all feel that way, right? You know, when it's like, hey, I could go be relational and get coffee with somebody, or I could watch one more episode on Netflix, right? You know? You guys watch that new Wednesday Adams show? That show's so cool, isn't it? You know? I, I, could, I could drop a lot of coffee dates to finish that show. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's certain shows that are like that. Or Yellowstone. Yellowstone's a, a really popular show right now. Man, I could turn my phone off for a couple days. To keep, if they would keep cranking episodes out, I could, I could keep ignoring people, if you know what I mean, right? Um, when, a new, when a new video game comes out sometimes, I'm like, all right, this weekend's a blackout weekend. You know, like, I'm, I'm on this game all weekend, you know, and I'm not talking to anybody. And we can choose to find things that are more entertaining in the world 
And what we're really doing is saying, I care less about people than I do about this thing. You know, we don't have to say that because I'll be mean, you know, <laughs> like, but that's exactly what the actions indicate, though, you know. And I think sometimes, you know, as a campus minister with our college students, sometimes I try to get people to find that connection. And I'm like, hey, like you didn't show up to this because you don't care about these people. Oh, no, I would never say that. I would never do that. I just, I had this thing, I, I had this thing. So what you're saying is, is that thing was more important than these relationships. No, no, I wouldn't say it like that. Well, then how, how would you say it? Well, it's just this thing, I really had to do it and it, it, it was really important. But which one was more important? No, no, not you, I love you, I, sh I should have been here. And I'm like, but you, you know, like, and to find that connection, because when we can find the real connection, the root of the connection, we can be more challenged by it. And I want to challenge you guys, when we choose to bail on, on hanging out with people for our own interest, or when we choose to, to, to ignore people because we, we just know it's going to be a long conversation, or it's going to be a challenging conversation, or it's going to be a, a deep conversation, or they're a rambler, and I just, uh, I got 20 minutes, you know? Like, when we can choose to identify that there's other things that we enjoy more, we can find that the real root is that we don't truly care for people the way that Jesus would have us care for them. That we're not really shepherding. We are more like, verse 13, we are more like the hired hand that runs because we only work for wages and we don't really care. We're really only here for the benefits because we don't really care all around for the sheep. And God calls us all to be shepherds. I want to make that pretty clear as well. That you are called to be somebody that loves other people, that takes care of other people. It's not just a preacher's job. It's not just a minister's job. It's not just a titled job in the church. It's a purpose kind of job. You know, it's a people kind of job. And we are all called to do that in some way or fashion. So if that's true... Well, how do we care for people? Well, Jesus did it in two ways. The first way is Jesus displayed his care for people through serving them. He served people. It says in Mark 14, 14, it says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. You see, you got to do work. You, know, like, you can't care for people if you're not willing to work for them. You know? And that can be getting your hands dirty. He healed people. You know, he healed sick that probably wasn't a very fun job, you know? Uh, if you've ever seen The Chosen, there's a cool scene where he's, you know, he's in a tent and there's just this line of people that keep going into him and he keeps healing people. And I'm like, some of these people are nasty looking, <laughs> like on the show, like, you know, sickness is not like a clean thing. But like, yet he, here he is like putting his hands up and he's like, all right, who's next? You know, blah, blah, blah. And it could be a, a, it could be a disease, it could be a sickness, it could be literally like anything that was going on. And that's nasty, man. Like, I don't, like, I don't do blood. Like, is anybody here like that? Like, anybody's like, I can't do blood, right? I can't. And some people are like, how many of you guys are like, I love working in the blood industry. <laughs> like, you guys are like, I, I don't mind pricking people with needles. How many of you guys hate getting pricked with needles? You're like, I just can't do that. Yeah. All right, well, then you're not blood people, you know? Like, you think that you are, but you're not. And there's just something about that for me that's like, that's just nasty. Like, I can't do it. It's going to make me like get like faint or whatever it may be. But God says sometimes we've got to get our hands dirty. And that's what service is. Sometimes that is going into that person's house that's just disgusting and cleaning it with them. Sometimes that is taking out a big nasty chunk out of your bank account to help somebody that needs it more than your bank account does. Sometimes it's that taking that giant chunk of time that we sit at home lounging to help somebody get to work one day or to help whatever it is, it's serving. It's going out of our way to help meet some needs of somebody else. That's genuine, true care. That's fulfilling a part of purpose. But once again, like we talked about grace and truth, you cannot just serve people and think you're being purposeful with your life. I got to make that pretty clear because once again, a lot of Christians believe that that's the source of purpose is to serve and only serve. And maybe that's where you've been at today. Maybe you've heard churches like that and 
I'm trying to tell you guys today that that is an element of your purpose, but that is not the only purpose. Because here's what I'm trying to say, is I think a lot of times people will go to a soup kitchen and they'll just be here quietly and they'll continue to serve and to serve and to serve and then they will go home and they think they did the Lord's work. That is an element of what God has continued to give us. But serving by itself is not real purpose because you need the second point. Because Jesus displayed his care for people through teaching them. You see, in Mark 6, 34, it says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He understood that there was a need to serve these people. But the biggest word in here is so. Circle that word, so. Since he knew that these people needed serving, he chose to serve, but so he began teaching them many things. This is the connection that has to happen with caring, guys. There is no amount of service you can do on this earth that will make a lost person saved. Period. You cannot serve a person enough to get them to heaven if they do not know that there is a heaven. And I believe that some Christians believe that all they have to do is just serve without truth, without teaching, and people will have this epiphany that they can be saved one day. And it doesn't work like that. Our relationship with God instructs us to not just serve, but we serve with a purpose to teach. And this last verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And Christ, well, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. I encourage you today, if you have this mindset of just serving, that is a great, incredible talent, and everyone should be called to serve, and that should be a great example that you give people. But if you're not teaching people alongside that and giving them the good news and showing them that there is something different through your service that they can receive with that, I encourage you to start giving truth as well. You start teaching them why you're serving instead of just doing it blindly. And I think that we'd have more people that would see their full purpose if we had more people who were serving and giving truth rather than just serving and thinking that they're being do-gooders in their ministry with God. And so this whole, this whole sermon today, guys, this whole idea of purpose is, one, first and foremost, I hope that you guys can find that this is your purpose. This church, the Crossings Church, is a great church, and my family and I have chosen to involve and invest our lives in this church because we see this church is a serving church, but this is a church that gives hope to people and gives truth to people. And there's nothing more exciting for me as a campus minister than going to a college campus and meeting a brand new kid that I've never met before and being like, this is my job. Not because I get paid for it, not because the money comes in for this, not because I, I, I want this, this high income, but I do it because I get excited knowing that somebody may change the way that I've changed. Somebody may get hope the way I've gotten hope. Somebody could be different because of what God has given me. And here at the Crossings Church, we train every single individual to live like that in this body. I don't care if you're a young junior high student or if you're an old senior citizen that's just ready to croak. You know, like It's a mission that we see in Scripture and it doesn't have an age requirement. And we believe here at the Crossing Church that everyone should be and live like that. And so what I want to encourage you guys to do is pull out your communication card because this is your opportunity. This is your New Year's resolution. If you're really serious about your relationship with God, this is your New Year's resolution. On this card, you can communicate how you want to change, what you want to commit to, if there's help that you need. If there's an addiction in your life and you look at yourself and you say, this is the things I need to change. I can't, I've got an addiction. I don't know how to get out of it. We have support services for that. 
If you're looking at community and you're saying, I don't know how to be relational or I'm looking for a family, I'm looking for a way to fulfill my purpose, check you'd like, you'd like to know more about small groups. If this is the first time today that you've ever heard about this purpose and you're like, man, you're right. My life has been rough and I finally see that there's a purpose for me. I just don't know a lot about it. Check you'd like a personal Bible study and somebody will get more involved with that. I don't know where you're at today, but I encourage you guys to make your resolution this year one that's not going to change every single year. Make it one that's going to be long-lasting, and I really truly hope that we can, have a, we can have a congregation of people that truly understand their purpose and know their purpose and fulfill their purpose in the way that God wanted them to and not the way that we believe we're supposed to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer, and we're going to sing a song, and that's going to give you guys an opportunity to fill out that communication card. Um, and like I said, I truly hope that you guys will take the leap of faith today and just make this year different. There are so many things I'm looking at in my life that I want to communicate and I want to commit to, to being different. And I pray that you guys will take something from this lesson and find a way to change your purpose in your life as well. And then after that first song, we're going to send some baskets around, and that's for our contribution and that card. If you're visiting with us today, I don't want you to put in money. We didn't get you here to get you money. We don't think that our money is better than yours. If you want to contribute, that's totally fine. That's for our members because they understand that that's part of their purpose, but that's not for you. We came here, and we hope that you guys are here to put that card in for a new resolution for your life. We want to give something. That's what this church is all about. And so um, I'm excited that you guys are, are here. I pray that this could be a, a great start for our new year. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about our banquet and our, and our theme for the next year. So if you're visiting, this is a great time to start coming to church because of what we have in store. Uh, so let me say a prayer, and we'll wrap it up for today. Uh, God, I just want to thank you so much um, for the opportunity to talk about purpose. I know I went kind of a little bit longer today than I normally do, but God, it's just so important for us to realize that purpose is so essential in our relationship with you. Uh, God, I, just, I know that there's been so much of my life that I've lived without purpose, so much of my life that i lived trying to find purpose, but God, I finally am living my life with purpose. And I see the benefits in my kids, I see the benefits in my marriage, I see the benefits in my day-to-day -day tasks in life, that nothing I do now is for my own gain, but it's all to fulfill your purpose, and I find more meaning in that, Lord. And I pray that everyone in this room can find what that purpose is, and uh, if they're looking and seeking for that, God, that they will please communicate on that card and, and send it your way, Lord. I pray this in your son's name. Amen.